Hi, everybody. This is Thriving School Community Podcast with Charlie Peck, and I have Dr. Matthew Woods here today. Now, Matthew is seasoned as a podcaster. So, Matthew, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And you know what? So everybody, Dr. Woods has a, a great podcast. I've been on the show. I've listened to the show. The topics are incredible. They're really incredible. So talk a little bit first about your podcast, because we're talking about improving school mental health. And that definitely has to do with culture. And I know that your expertise here is about how to get people to make improvements in such a way where it, it, it makes people come together. So talk a little bit about your podcast first, please. Definitely. Well, first, Charlie, thanks for having me on here. Um, like you had said, you are a guest on the show. Can't wait for that episode to to come out where everybody hear the great stuff that you had shared. But um, but yeah, but the but the podcast or my podcast podcast, excuse me, uh, leading out the woods. Um, you could find me on I think pretty much any podcast outlets, Spotify, uh, Apple iTunes, uh, Google iHeart, you know, all those different ones, right? Um, but it is a education podcast. Um, it's primarily geared towards uh, practitioners. So anybody within K through 12, um, we we cover a diverse range of topics to make sure that everybody gets a sampling, right? So, you know, we've got topics geared a little bit more sometimes towards your building administrators, sometimes towards your district administrators, sometimes for uh, classroom teachers, social workers, counselors, uh, psychologists, you name it. There's a little bit in there for everybody. And we're able to bring in amazing guests like yourself to just really help me grow, right, as, as an educator, but then also help others. Because one of the the beauties nowadays is that we have so much accessibility to one another through technology. So it helps have a lot of these conversations that I tell folks that old school, you know, especially for some of your listeners, and I'll put myself on the spot back in the day when I first started my career, the only opportunities you would have to meet folks like yourself and others was at conferences. And we would still give out business cards. So for any of your young listeners on there, you know, business cards. That's that's how we kind of swapped stuff back yeah. then. And then you would might get an email or two from each other and you might get on the phone, but it's not that authentic as it is to have a, a virtual conversation like this, right? Where I could see you, you could see me. And then to be able to package those in a way that I could be on the treadmill, pop my AirPods in, listen to some PD, right? I can be making a 30 minute commute to like work or to the store. I can listen to a podcast and reflect and think about some different tools I can add to my toolbox. So those are essentially the, the primary reasons like that, that kind of came about how we started my podcast. And um, yeah, it's been amazing. I think as of this recording, I'm on your show right now, we're at like episode 84, I believe. It's crazy. It's been the last, like the last three years we've been rocking and rolling, but it's been a great experience. Yeah, that's great too, because well, you know, we're talking about education and leadership and, and how to create a culture where everyone feels connected in a safe kind of space to engage in. And one of the things that I love that you do and talk a lot about is, is how to help administrators be successful in their school buildings. And so what is like one area that you would start with? I've seen it on your website. I've heard you talk about it. But if we're talking about making improvements to improve culture so that we can all thrive together within that school culture and you're working with an administrator, where would you start? 
Right. Um, the first thing is you, you have to have high expectations, but you have to have clear expectations. So it's one thing for me to say, um, you know, I want everybody to be vig vigilant when they're supervising. I want everybody to hold each other accountable. I want everybody to be respectful and professional, right? But then it's one thing then for me to have those high expectations and then to make sure they're clear. So when I'm saying I want you to be um, vigilant in your supervision, well, what does that what does that mean? I'm talking about active supervision. Okay, well, what does that mean? That means it's more than you and I just standing at our door in between hallway transitions. It's that I'm actively monitoring what's going on. And that if I know, hey, where your door is set up, this right here is more in your range of vision than over here, then I need to make sure that I've modeled for you and say, hey, Charlie, when at your classroom, during your supervision, I need you to actively monitor this part because Matt over here can actively monitor this part because there's a corner over here. Oh, and by the way, we know that that camera down the hallway right there is broken. Mm -hmm. So God forbid, if there's a fight or anything bad that's going on right there, I'm really counting on you and your role super supervising to be my eyes and ears right there because I'm going to have to lean on you a little bit more compared to down here where I know where my cameras are and I don't have my blind spots. Okay. That's something that when I have conversations with, with administrators about things, getting them to then start breaking it down and go, oh, I never thought about it that way. Because now it's more than me just saying, I need you staying at your drawer supervising, right? Right. Now you're seeing, okay, the why behind it, but that now you're also seeing the the value in it because there, it's more than you just being a, a present right um when you talk about um being um uh, respectful to one another well, what does that mean what's respect looks like um and and i think and i love doing this activity with different folks so i'll share it with your listeners and you can do it with with uh staff you can do it with students when you say to somebody, okay, I want you to be respectful. All right, here's an index card. Write down what it means to be respectful. Then, and it's better to do it really like, like I said, on an index card, like something where you could stick up. Then you have folks post it. And what usually happens is if everybody isn't calibrated to what it means in this space, like in this classroom or this school, to be respectful, you're going to see a bunch of different things. So then you have to say, OK, when I said the first time I want everybody to be respectful, everybody nodded. But then you all had different ideas and criteria of what respectful means. So then when we say be respectful here, like in the school to one another, what are our non-negotiables? What are we saying? It might be something like whenever we see a colleague, we ask them how they're doing. Be something as generic as that. Um if it's for students, it might be whenever we enter the building, we take our hats off. It's 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 little things that we do, but that we explain it to everybody. And then that's how we hold each other accountable. So then when we say be respectful, you automatically know what I'm talking about. Got it. And the tangibles. Those tangibles. So it's 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 those things like when I talk to to administrators and things, 
that that operational mindset. And for a lot of folks, when they they transition into administration, especially folks who are just like coming out of the classroom, most people aren't really wired that way. You know, most teachers, you're not thinking operationally. Now, you're thinking about classroom management, right? Like in your class, your structure. But then when you think of it on a macro level, like in a school, most folks aren't naturally thinking like that. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that um, a lot of my work really talks to people about and helps get them to kind of reflect and think about, hey, are we being real crystal clear on those expectations, but most importantly, how we've clearly communicated them to folks? What about people, well, I guess administrators, who kind of push back or, well, to kind of push back with you, because I know you work mm-hmm. a lot with them and and try to inspire them to do certain things like that, like very tangible issues there. But what happens when they push back? How do you handle that? Well, I the way I do it, and and it's ironic because it's a lot of the same, I guess, conversations and attributes and things that you'd have with students. When you know when students kind of push back, like, why am I doing this? This doesn't make no sense. Why do you want me to like example? Why do you want me to take my hat off when I end this building or do this right? And it's getting folks. What I've found to be successful is flipping it back and say, okay, if your systems are, are are buttoned up and they're locked in, right? They're, they're crystal clear. Then when things happen, because things will still happen, you know, I tell everybody, you now have a plan, plans, things change, right? Especially for my, my, my teachers out there, right? You have an amazing lesson plan and, oh my God, there goes the fire drill. And I, and I was ready to rock and roll, right? I got everybody in eight groups and here we go, right? <laughs> it's then... When your system really kicks in, does everybody know what to do? And I really don't have to be the focal point. You know, one thing a a couple of mentors of mine have always instilled in me and shared. When things happen and when people get ready to respond and they can say, I know exactly what Charlie would want us to do. If she was here, she would want us to do that. You know what? Even before I call, Matt, I know he's going to ask me one of these two questions. That's when you know the system is buttoned up. That process is there or those processes are there because a lot of times when things are chaotic and folks really don't know what to do. Yeah, they'll look at you in this case as the administrator or leader. But what you have to make sure that you keep instilling is, yes, they're still going to look at you because. You know, you're the one calling the shots, right? You're the one giving the guidance. But they should still be able to operate. They shouldn't just be frozen. They should say, okay, I wasn't expecting a fire drill today, but I know what to do for a fire drill. I know which door we exit out of. I know my backup door if that one's blocked. (laughs) Okay, I wasn't expecting this to happen, but I know some of the steps to kind of walk me through and manage it, right? until I can get to my administrator, my supervisor, to to then chime in on the rest of it. So that's how I throw it back to folks and say, okay, if, if you have a better trap for this, this mouse, right? Explain it to me, but then explain how do folks know that? Um, and one of the things to always caution is if folks say, well, everybody just knows. Well, then everybody doesn't know. Right. If everybody knew this, we wouldn't usually be having these conversations. Um, is it written down somewhere? Is it modeled? Um, 
the other one I use, Charlie, is if I'm a brand new teacher in your building, right? So you just hired me fresh off the street, right? The other teacher quit two months into the school year. I walk in. Where do I go to find all those expectations? And not only find the expectations, but that they're clearly communicated to me. So that way I can either read it, I can watch it, I can look at it and be like, plug and chug. I can plug. Now I might still, hey, Charlie, I might need a little assistance. on, but, but, I, but I know, hey, I read in the handbook, Charlie, that I'm supervised here during second and third period. And I know it says active supervision here because I'm supposed to monitor this part. Right? Like, is this, can you kind of show, like, I should yes. be able to kind of talk it through myself and then I just need you to kind of help guide me. That's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it is. It's true because there is so much change in our education system now. There always has been, but boy, it seems to be having a lot, a lot more now. And so that's really interesting that you say that when new teachers come in and how they need to adapt. So what can a, an administrator do ahead of time? Like well in advance, even now thinking about like next year or their next semester or their next, right, their next piece. What can they be doing to prepare so that they put all those processes in place when they're, when they're working with a big staff? How can they do that and streamline that? Gotcha. You mean the teacher or you mean administrator? I, an administrator who's running a building. What can they do to streamline that for a whole bunch of people on their staff? Gotcha. The first sense? one is, yeah. no, it does. It does. I'm sorry. The, the first one I would say is like, you look at your handbook, right? Your handbook should be your gold standard of where folks go to gather information. Now, I'm a very big fan of electronic handbooks. And the reason why is because they're living, breathing documents and they can be revised. And if it's like a Google doc, I can revise it at the top, I, like in the header, I can revise the date and then I push it out to everybody and say, please see an update in the handbook. Please check with me or another administrator if you have any questions. So then it's live. Everybody, I bring attention to what has been updated. Mm -hmm. And then there's a checks and balance. If you have any questions about it, you can follow up, right? Yeah. Now, within your handbook for administrators out there, when you look at it, I should be able to decipher in that handbook or whatever the action is without any immediate follow-up. So if you say I'm on this committee, Right beside the committee, there should be a brief blurb of what that committee does. Don't don't make any assumptions. If I'm a part of like 504s, what exactly is a 504? And, what should, and the reason why I say this is because you naturally have folks who make assumptions that, hey, I know that. But then you also have people when they need to ask questions and respond, they can look at it and go, I need to check with Matt and Charlie. I thought there I had a kid the child stay but I see there on this committee. Let me go talk to them, right? So so now you, you're communicating, if you think about it in that way, to a wide audience. The people who it's applicable to immediately, the people who it could be applicable to if they have questions, and most importantly, you have a frame of reference in general for everybody. So in every piece, you should see that. The other piece is that you then have to, in that, within that same logic, 
think about, okay, so in your spots where you talk about supervision, right? Mm-hmm. You want to make it so crystal clear that even though I'm not the one who has Charlie's hallway supervision on Mondays, I can read it and tell you this is what Charlie's supposed to be doing. And why is that important? Because then when I have a sub, here you go, sub. Here you go, Mr. Wood, you're subbing for Charlie Day. Here's, here's what you need to do. So then I can read it like, okay, Monday mornings, she's here supervising this. So I have questions. Ooh, her grade level chair, her team helps me. Well, how do they know what Charlie's superv- uh, supervision is? Because it's right there in the handbook. Hmm. So then as the administrator, what am I doing? I'm walking and talking. I'm greeting parents. I'm heading to an IEP meeting. I'm signing check. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing all the administrative stuff. And then all I'm doing is just falling back up to see if anybody needs anything. And especially within a big building or we, or maybe even in a small building, because I think sometimes we automatically think those, those kind of issues happen in a big building. But if you're in a small building and you're the only administrator, you can only be in so many places and you might not have any assistants or designees. So it's once again going to those systems where people know this is the expectation. This is where to find it. This is the expectation, how to do it. Another piece is there's nothing wrong with modeling. Um, modeling what it looks like. Having, um, I, I know of a, a colleague of mine really interested he made these small video clips like on YouTube and they were private. But if you click on his handbook or click on certain supervision things, it, it's actually him and his APs kind of showing like, this is where you need to stand. This is how you need to walk around. And I thought it was a lot of folks thought it was like, oh, why is he doing this? Yeah. But what he told me was he said, man, it was so powerful because from the very first day, even people that would normally that were complaining about it, everybody knew what to do. Like, even people were like, hey, Charlie, you know, you're supposed to actually like be right there, right? So, I mean, it was this universal set of accountability, especially when it comes to supervision. And he was like, hey, man, it was a game changer. And I think he's done it now like the last three years. Um, so those would just be the, the most immediate things I would say. If, if you're planted, you want to have that handbook tightened up. You want to make sure you have it set up where – it's very applicable to the people who are immediately impacted. So like if, if I'm on a committee, I'm supposed to be supervising um, the expectations for the building, all that good stuff. It's also applicable to someone who isn't that person directly connected to it, but I can read it enough to go, okay, Matt should be doing this, or this is what this looks like. And then on that last piece for someone brand new who doesn't know anything, I could just hand it to them and maybe there are some type of links like that or something to model where plug and chug, plug and chug. They could just come right in. They can plop right in and you, the system is still going because those processes are in place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, that is so important. And one of the reasons I'm bringing all of this up is because I've heard you say with, especially related to like, how do we improve the system for mental health for kids And by the way, staff, but it's ultimately about supporting kids because we are the responsible adults to do that for them. But I've heard you say that one of the problems with this is that we're doing, we're doing, uh, we're trying to have systems in place that are in silos. So it's not actually working together as one cohesive 
collective solution, but we're working in silos. And so can mm-hmm. you talk about that and, and like, where do we need to go? What is your vision for correcting that for the future? Definitely. Um, I, I think, especially when you talk about specifically mental health, right? It by itself has always just been in the silo, right? You, yes. It's like a stigma, mental health. Correct. And normally you say right. mental health, the first thing that comes to people's mind, probably for your listeners too, if you say mental health, you start thinking bad stuff. Yep. Yes. You automatically think bad stuff, right? Which is weird because you think mental health, you, there's good stuff, good, like you want good mental health. So it shouldn't automatically go straight to negative. Kind of like if I say the word behavior, people start thinking about discipline issues. What about the good behavior? What about that model behavior we want to see, right? Yeah. So that's a mindset shift that has to occur. And you have to know, like, if you say mental health, folks are automatically going to go south instead of north, right? Well, then within your systems, I think one thing that's very critical, especially for mental health, is just to to, to break it down to its root, and, and especially for educators. And one thing that I, that I always do, you know, with my respective colleagues, you know, staff I've supervised, um, pre pre service teachers that I teach and, you know, admin that I mentor, I say, okay, think about all the educators that made an impact on your life. You know, if it was one, if it was 10, however many, you know, whoever it is. Then I always go around, sorry, ask a question. Okay, so Charlie, tell me why, you know, Matt was like your favorite teacher. Why was so-and-so your favorite administrator, counselor, et cetera? And normally what usually happens, what always happens, excuse me, is that when I get back to to my part after you know everybody has shared, I said, "Well, hey, I don't I don't think y'all really understood the question. I asked you who your favorite educator was, and you started talking about relationships and how they made you feel." Interesting. I didn't hear one person say, "Man, you know, Mr. Woods was such an amazing world history two teacher. You know, the way he talked the Renaissance blew my mind." And uh, you know, Miss Peck, she was such an amazing algebra teacher. We were doing those equations. I was like, oh, my God, favorite teacher ever, right? Well, and people who know me knows that that would never happen, teaching math. (laughs) (laughs) But, but you know. I hear you. Well, it's funny because because my favorite teacher is a math teacher, a geometry, which is my worst class. It's, it's, you're right. So go on. Sorry. But no, but no, but but if you don't mind, I hope not sharing too big of a secret with your listeners. But why, if you don't mind, why were they your favorite? Of course, because first of all, she was firm and she held me up to high expectations, but she believed in me. She believed in me, even when I was talkative, yes. I, right? And she told good stories, but it was always about the relationship. You could tell she cared about you as a person. Yes. Yeah. Mrs. Croth. Hello. And I just ran into her. It's it's true. All these years well, later. See, look, you got to make sure she listened to the episode and gave her a shout I out. Will. Right? But, I will. But no, but seriously, it's. It's that. And from there, your mental health was taken care of That's right. in that class. And because of that, you prospered. And it, now, and, and, and I want to make sure when I use the word prosper, that doesn't mean you were like a, a, a student in math. Nope. It <laughs> means you. <laughs> now, I didn't want to go too. It just means, though, that when you were in that class, you were attentive, 
you felt loved, you felt cared for, mm-hmm. and you felt that your teacher had those expectations in place, not just because they were high, but because you knew, hey, I needed that. Even if you just might have disagreed at the time, some of the expect you knew deep down, hey, I need this. This is teaching me something. And from there, you were fine. But not only that, look at the impact that all these years later, you, you still remember that. Right. So I, I think when we talk about mental health and to take it out of a silo, it should start as simple as a conversation like that, an activity like that with people, just to keep reinforcing. Okay, so then when we start talking about SEL, then when we start talking about student well-being, then when we start talking about all the, you know, all the, if you want to say buzzwords, terms, however you want to, you know, fashion it for folks, getting people to understand at the root, what are we talking about? We're talking about relationships, building and retaining positive relationships with students because that then in turn feeds into everything else that in turn feeds into students sharing with you concerns that you might have overlooked that in turn has them advocate hey this is something that's going on i'm coming to you in confidence because because i need your help like that in turn builds that relationship like knowing that you have with them but it builds it with you but then it lets you know here's how i need to differentiate with this child either academically for their well-being or for whatever else you need in order for them to be successful and that right there to me is the missing piece that unfortunately keeps a lot of if you want to say the word initiatives or a lot of the things that we try to do in earnest for students when it comes to their mental health and staff as well in a silo. Mm-hmm. Yes. So when you are mentoring administrators, then what are you ask, asking them to do? Like, what are you actually saying to them to improve the mental wellness of the entire culture of the community of the school, which does absolutely feed into the culture of how we're all engaging, right? With those relationships, because a lot of people are stuck right now. So how do you tell them this is where you start and that's how you stop doing this in silos. Like this is an everyday activity or, or, or feeling or mindset, whatever. What, how do you explain that to them when you mentor them? It, it starts with getting them and that activity, like I said earlier, to internalize what impacted them. Then ha- helping them walk through how to replicate that. Hmm. From the administrator standpoint, it's it's guiding them on activities like that. It's getting them to then think you have, you know, your formal responsibilities and your informal responsibilities, right? So, what are formal responsibilities? Well, you know, like, let's say you're a secondary administrator. Formal responsibilities: showing up at the I, being sorry, showing up, but being a part of the IEP of five four um, meetings, right? And being um, an active participant in those, being um, being visible, supervising, like in the building, um, conducting faculty meetings, doing instructional walkthroughs, giving instructional feedback to folks, handling discipline. You know, a lot of those things are just formal responsibilities, right? So then you have to think, okay, what's the informal responsibility? 
Okay. Establishing relationships. Getting to know folks. Do they have kids? What do they like to do? Are they married? Is there anything that's impacting them outside of school that could impact their performance in the school? Um, it's showing up at events. Events that I wasn't I wasn't scheduled to, you know, I, I, this isn't my Friday to do football, um, football duty, right? But I still make a present. And and I tell folks, you know, one thing that I learned from another mentor is that you make it an appearance for a couple minutes. Folks will think you were there all the time. I used to pop up Charlie when I was administrator. I would, um, especially like spring sports, right? You got like baseball, soccer, or something. I mean, like everything's happening at the same time. Right. And I remember I would like pop up in here, speak to some parents. Hey, good to see you. Good to see you. Hey, is that you get? Look, they rocking it. Great home run. Then go over here. Next week or the following day of school, oh man, Mr. Woods was like, man, he was at my game. He was like cheering us on. I'm like, <laughs> I was there for like two minutes, right? I hope none of my former students and parents listen. But the the point I'm making with it though is it meant so much to folks just making an appearance and 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 coming there. And it also goes to the which it's it's kind of in between both formal and informal. But it's time. When you give people time, that builds relationships, formally and informally. When you take the time to have a phone call with the parent, when you're just talk, like just calling just to check in, nothing formal. Hey, just calling to check in. Just want you to know how your kids doing. Those are the pieces that that strengthens relationships. But what it also does is it builds that buffer for later. Because if you're an administrator, you're going to have tough conversations, right? You know, you're, you know, you're paid the big bucks to make tough decisions, to have the tough conversations. But when you invest in people and you build up that reserve in your bank, that positive reserve, when I start um, making withdrawals from it, it doesn't sting as bad. Because I've got so much money in my account already. What hurts is if I only got $50 in there, right? But then I need to pay for these groceries that are 100 bucks. That's where those relationships start to get sour. So it's understanding that piece of your formal responsibilities, but then also knowing those informal responsibilities. You know, it's not a, a, a eight to four, nine to five, however you want to phrase it. You know, it's it's being able to take those calls after hours. It's being able to step away from your own family to help somebody else's family. Those are the things that I think a lot of folks that I see get administration chart don't necessarily think about that at first. And that's the things that starts weighing on people. Like I didn't realize, like I hear it all the time. I didn't even realize it was that much time, Matt. Like I didn't realize I had to give that much time. I didn't realize I had to make, I, somebody told me the other day, I didn't realize I had to make those kind of sacrifices. And that's the piece that I always caution people and warn them. Hey, if you're going to be a minister, here's what comes to terror. If you don't want to do that, I'm not saying you won't be successful. But what I'm saying is, going back to that example I used earlier, when you have to start making those withdrawals, think about the amount of deposits that you've already put in there. 
And and if it if those numbers aren't adding up, that's where it starts thinking on the back. Oh my goodness. Okay. Matt, we have a lot we could do with all of this. Oh my goodness. I mean, we talked about the system. We talked about how important it is to communicate. I think all of it together means that we we have to know what's happening. We have to plan, but then also those connections are part of the plan. And and that's yeah. right. And so and I would, would like to wrap up because I know that you're a busy guy. <laughs> you're so busy. Um, and and I'd like to know like where this sits with you. So where, like what resonates with you when we're talking about the future of mental health in our schools? Because it's so very important. What what do you want to do next? What are you hoping for? I, I would love to see, when we talk about mental health in schools, um, obviously we're always, we always, are and should always be student centered. Um, but I'm feeling that that niche or that push that we really have to do a better job of wrapping our hands around our, our staff. Um, we're getting to a point where everybody's being asked to do so much. And I'm just going to go back to that example again. Folks are being asked to make so many withdrawals, but I get very concerned about how much has been deposited initially. You know, it's it's hard to it's hard to smile when everything is sad in the background, right? You know, it's hard to be a, a shining light and positive for students when you're going through so much turmoil and stress on your end. And you know, it was ironic. I had I had a um, Someone said something to me very recently. Um, it was an administrator reached out to me and just said, hey, I just want to know how you're doing. And is there anything that you need that I could help you with? And it caught me off guard because it had me think about the last time someone has asked me that in a professional role. Wow. That's administrator. That's saying a lot. I mean, that's that's a that's an easy question yeah. to ask. It's an easy question, but what was very difficult for me is that I actually had to pause and think about it. And then I had to just sit there and think like, when is the last time someone asked? When is the last time someone had had asked me that? And and not in a way, and I want to make sure I I, I clarify the listeners out there. I'm not talking about like if someone walks in and goes, hey, do you need me to make a copy of that? Do you need that? You know, that that's very work related. Th th like what I say, like common language, right? I walk in, hey, do you need me to carry that for you? Do you need that? What I'm talking about is on the fly, someone just walking up and, a very, and just, hey, do you need anything? How's it going? I really can't remember. And I remember telling the person, I don't remember the last time someone asked me that. Lord knows as an administrator. Mm. And definitely it was few and far between as a teacher. And and I think that was very troubling for me because then it had me kind of thinking like, when have I paid that for and done that for folks too? Um, so I think with everything that's going on in education, and I, and I would just say this as we get ready to wrap up to all the listeners out there, you know, be be that that lifeline for somebody. Reach out to someone. Reach out to a colleague and just say, "Hey, how's it going? Is there anything I can do to help you?" Not not in a, and I'm talking about you do it in a way, not in the middle of actually doing some work. 
because it's going to come off and be more genuine, but it's really going to have someone stop and think, but most importantly, just appreciate the fact that you're seeing them and you're valuing their work. So I really just strongly ask all the listeners out there, do that for at least one of your colleagues and it would make a huge difference. Wow. I mean, it's, there's so many things, so many things I want to do here, but I think what we need to do is, is wrap up and just tell people like, if they would like to reach out to you, how would they get in touch with you? And how can they listen to you more? Because I know that you have so much to say, Matt, and I know you've got great guests, but what can they do to reach out to you? I appreciate it. Um, best way to reach out to me is uh, my website. It's a www.leadingoutthewoods. That's right, y'all. Leading out the woods, not mm-hmm. out of <laughs> leadingoutthewoods.com. www.leadingoutthewoods.com. Um, like I said, if you you look look us up, podcast leading out the woods. We're available. Like I said, Apple, Spotify, you name it, we're out there. Um, and yeah, like I said, if you go to my website, it has all my my social media accounts. You, you could um, follow me on there. I'm always eager to connect with other amazing educators out there. Um, learn from everybody as well. Try to absorb as much as I can and anything I can do to help you. I'll be glad to help. Thank you. Honestly, there's so many administrators who could use your guidance and your leadership and you do keynotes and you do professional development. And there's so much people really do need to go check out what you do because you you have a, a great amount of knowledge. you you throw yourself into the work that you do. I can tell. And, um, we just got to hear more. We got to hear more. I, we got to do this again, for sure. We've got to dive into Definitely. this deeper. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Woods. I really appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Yes. And so everybody, please go and like and review this episode. And that's very helpful to the podcast, but also to getting the word out about Dr. Woods and getting the help that administrators need in this culture right now that we're in. It's busy. It's busy. So um, people need a lot more guidance and I think they're looking for it. So I appreciate that very much. All right. Thank you so much. We're going to we're going to say goodbye now. Thanks, Matt. All right, y'all. Bye.